Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you and welcome. I appreciate you being with us today. My guest is Becky Gleed. She is from the Northern Virginia area, just outside of DC. She is a family therapist and has a specialty in perinatal and reproductive mental health. She is a member of the millennial generation and I am delighted to have her here. Becky, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So we start, easy question. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please? Absolutely. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. That's the umbrella of my licensure. But I'm also something called a certified perinatal mental health professional. And we are a subspecialty uh, specifically focused for the perinatal and reproductive mental health component. And I run and operate a private practice in Northern Virginia. I also serve uh, New Mexico and Hawaii and soon to be North Carolina. Uh, so we do counseling. Uh, we have a yogi on board who specializes in pelvic floor, trauma, uh, mommy and me yoga, and then I have a perinatal book series, which is widely available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, which really supports not just moms, but specifically working moms. So that's really the bread and butter of my work. Okay. And I will be happy to put a link to where you can find those books in the show notes Great. so that folks can, can check that out. So talk to me a little bit about you know, the, the idea of supporting working moms what is it that kind of separates those from stay-at-home moms and and what is the what are the unique needs that you're looking at and i'm assuming you're looking at the needs of all moms but there is something unique about that population you're absolutely right of i serve all moms and there is a unique piece to working moms because for women you go through conception and then pregnancy and then postpartum but what we don't really talk about in healthcare is, okay, these moms are now having another major life transition back to work. Sometimes from the healthcare perspective, they're trying to zip their pants when they've got a C-section scar, hmm. or perhaps they've been quote unquote cleared after six weeks, but they've had a third, fourth degree tear, but they're expected to sit for eight hours a day or they're trying to navigate the medical piece of pumping and maybe they've developed mastitis. Um, so there are some unique challenges that come from a healthcare perspective for working moms. Yeah, it's yeah, so, so true. And I don't know who decided on six weeks, but um, you having, and I both. <laughs> having a foreign object come out of your body and being expected to just yes. be back to normal after six weeks. I've obviously never done that myself, but I can't, uh, I can't imagine how that works. So tell me what does quality healthcare mean to you? To me, I mean, my scope remains in the perinatal and reproductive community. 
I would say collaboration, equal access to all, and equal uh, quality care. I can give you some examples. Um, for example, Black women are three to four times more likely to die from pregnancy complications than their counterparts. We can do so much better in this country. And so in terms of quality care for all, that's something, um, you know, that's that's really important um, that I would see. And then, you know, there's threats right now to IVF, um, given the overturning of, of Roe versus Wade in 2022, because there's this kind of general fear of, if I have six viable embryos, right, am I going to have to, you know, attempt a tra an embryo transfer if those are now deemed, right, under the umbrella of an abortion? So it creates some political and healthcare complications, puts some of these doctors in, you know, difficult situations. Um, but that's some of the the topics in terms of you know, what does healthcare and quality health care mean? Um, and then it's not it's not equal access. You're going to get different care, for example, in a rural hospital compared to, you know, state of the art in, for example, a more suburban or city um, hospital setting. So really looking at some of those factors are important, too. Yeah. And even within that suburban setting, there are there yes. are a wide variety, a wide disparity of care. Many, uh, many of those disparities, as I would see it, would be socioeconomic. That there are absolutely there are hospitals that are in poorer communities, and they are just they're poorer hospitals where people are receiving a lower level of care. Do you have ideas on how we can address that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think really a commitment to for providers to accept insurance there's this bifurcation of well i only want to see you know private pay folks or there's even this trend with concierge only services and so one of the things i've committed to with my practice is remaining as at least taking one you know insurance because i want to you know serve those who are insured uninsured sliding fee scale um, but you see this a lot in, in Baltimore, actually, because it's a very gentrified city, mm. and yet Hopkins is the, right in the heart of the city. And so they've, that's one system that I would point to to say, hey, can we model some of this where they've got state-of-the-art funding and you know this strong private sector, but also they're serving the community? Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's definitely an issue. And and even then, when you look at some of those, some of the areas where there is access, where you've got, um, I had a guest on who was talking about, you know, the number of practitioners that operate in a given area. And so mm -hmm. one community may have one practitioner per thousand residents, and another community may have one practitioner per 5,000, uh -huh. you know, and all of it is, comes down to making sure that everybody has, as you said, access to care. Uh, for sure. Yeah. It makes me think of when I got my PMHC for the first time, uh, when I was starting to practice in New Mexico, I was the only PMHC in the entire state. Wow. 
And so it's, you're, you're speaking to something so important. Okay. So you kind of did this, but I'll ask anyway, because it is on my list. Sure. Uh, and that is, can you give me an example of quality healthcare? Yeah, I think this would look like a woman coming in and expressing what she's feeling, what she needs, and at the bottom of the barrel being listened to, and then having some form of collaborative care absent of barriers. Of course, there's going to be some level of you know barriers that happen, but to be able to say, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I need, and to be listened to and to have some level of follow through. I see this a lot with birth trauma of the person may have a birth plan, they've gone over it with a doctor, and then it's either disregarded or, you know, and sometimes there are uh, valid reasons that there's a medical emergency or some other circumstances, but, you know, they're left, you know, traumatized because they feel silenced, they feel disregarded in a time where they're most exposed, the most vulnerable. And so that's an example of where I would, I, I love to see OBs and even pediatricians who are listening and collaborative and really respect the the feelings and the needs of the patient. Yeah, and I think that what you're talking about is a universal. It's not just for, for, for sure. women that have delivered. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm a person with a disability, and when I go into the hospital for, you know, to the emergency room yes. presenting with issues for like a urinary tract infection or something. Yep. Um, and there are many times when I am dismissed, when my input is devalued or just completely ignored. And it's, it's so frustrating because it, at the so end of the frustrating, you know, um, I'm there for seven hours. Yep. And at the end of the day, I leave with a prescription for an antibiotic for my urinary tract infection, but they've done a bunch of other tests. They've done a bunch of other stuff. And if they had just listened to me in the first place, we could have handled this in a much more expeditious manner. So it, it seems to me that one of the underlying premises that you're saying is there needs to be a respect for the patient's knowledge of their own bodies and the patient's knowledge of their own experience and a willingness to hear them out as they explain that. And also to hear them out as they are telling you not just what they're feeling, but kind of what they need. Am I properly understanding that? Yes. And I'll offer one more example. You said that so beautifully, Rob. I had an emergency um, psychiatric case for a mom with postpartum depression, and she wanted to keep breastfeeding. And she was committed to, even though the baby couldn't join beyond visiting hours, she really wanted to continue her breastfeeding journey. And so I picked up the phone and I advocated as hard as I could to see, can we get a breast pump on the unit? And I got so much pushback. Mm -hmm. And this was something that she really wanted and something she needed for the attachment to her child and for her own physical health that she ended up, you know, developing an infection and, you know, it disrupted her breastfeeding journey. And they were, you know, it was very challenging to even get the baby on the unit. And so you're right of she knew what she needed and advocated for it. And it's unnecessary pushback or unnecessarily tests that you're alluding to or barriers that really get in the way of quality healthcare. Yeah, and there's definitely a an identity 
element of that as well. Here she is. She's a yep. mom. She wants to, she has the natural capability of providing nutrition for her baby and she's being denied that and yes. how difficult that must be to say, I, you know, this is part of who I identify as now and I'm not giving the opportunity to even uh, to do just that basic element, uh, which, wow, very powerful. Um, so what do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? That's a great question. Fundamentally, I want to send the message that we exist, that the perinatal mental health professionals, we exist. There's also reproductive psychiatrists, there's doulas. You don't have to wait until you're rock bottom before you do a Google search. We're mm -hmm. here. We want to help. There's a, a international directory on postpartum.net. That's really what I want folks to know is that there is help out there with treatment. You will feel better and that we exist. So how do you share that message? Because it, mm -hmm. a lot of times I feel like it's not until people hit rock bottom that they that they begin to reach out for help or begin to look for resources. And I'm assuming, you know, coming on a podcast and sharing exactly. what you're doing, yeah. and yeah. writing some books, and that's the, the way to get the message out there to let people know that there are resources available um, and you know, just that there is support that you don't have to go. You don't have to wait until you get all the way to the bottom to look for. Is that mm -hmm. fair enough? It, totally fair. I try to diversify the ways in which, you know, I, I send the message and what gets me out of bed every morning is the mission that maybe there's a mom who needs help, who doesn't know we exist. And that's what really drives the work that I do. So yes, it's through books, through podcasts, through the website, through, you know, online platforms, it's through grassroots efforts. It's at the grocery store. It's anywhere I can send the message. And so thank you for having your platform so we can just continue messaging. Yeah. And one of the things that I've had guests remind me of repeatedly as well is the holistic nature of the yes. approach. And so this is not just about a mom. This is not just about a mom and a baby. This is yep. um, mom, baby, family, extended family, neighbors, um, beautiful community. You're you're looking at an entire web of relationships that are being impacted by the work that you're doing and the support that's going on there. So I think it's there's a, a definite need to make sure that that viewpoint is is understood. And and, and I'll say this that there are times when the focus becomes so narrow that what you're looking at is you're looking at postpartum depression and it's the diagnosis and the diagnosis only. You're not even looking at the whole person. Um, and so beautifully said, yes. Um, so there needs to be the expansion to, to understand we're dealing with a whole person and that whole person is part, especially when it comes to, to perinatal stuff, uh, they're part of, a web of relationships and it affects impacts all of them. So there you go. I, yeah. um, I feel like I jumped, I jumped on I your soapbox it. for you. Uh, Something I say is you are not your symptoms. Yes. So true. Yeah. I love it. Uh, what excites you about the future of healthcare? I think just transformation of, you know, yes, we can say, okay, there's, there's gaps, there's flaws, but sometimes things have to get 
bad before we see the cracks and know where we can do better. And also, uh, this field is very relatively new. It started in the 80s. And so I'm hopeful that, okay, we're 40 years in. Let's keep going. Let's keep building momentum. I can tell you now in New Mexico, there, it's not just me. It's a, it's a wide um, network of PMHCs that are slowly saturating the state. And same with Virginia and Texas and Florida is we are growing. And that gives me hope that, that the work is going to continue and grow. Yeah, well, that's got to be encouraging for you because mm-hmm. if I remember what you said when you were originally certified in New Mexico, you were the only provider, and now yep. now there are others that have joined in on this, and it, it's it's a growing field, and there's a support network that's available for um, for a variety of people. In yeah, so wonderful. Okay, yeah. Uh, last question for you: What is one thing medical professionals can start doing today? to improve the quality of healthcare? Great question. I come back to the provider, which is take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're burnt out, especially after having experienced the pandemic of take good care of yourself because you cannot take care of other people until your own cup is full. It sounds so basic and cliche, but I cannot tell you how many providers I see once, once they've gotten a good night's sleep and maybe taken a few days off, the quality of care just significantly improves. So I say, take, take care of yourself as a provider. It's okay for every therapist needs a therapist. It's okay for physicians to also seek help too. Yeah. Um, who takes care of the people that take care of the people is something to think about. I, I do presentations about quality healthcare. And one of the things that comes out of those is this is not just about the patient experience. Yep. This, there needs to be um, some energy and some effort put into looking at the provider experience as well. Because if the provider is not experiencing joy from what they're doing, if they're not uh, yes. connected to what they're doing, if it becomes drudgery, then you end up with this mass exodus of what we've had mm-hmm. you know, of people leaving the healthcare industry just because they're burnout. And, and so it's, there needs to be both parts of that looking at patient experience, provider experience and providers being reminded as you so eloquently put it, you got to take care of yourself before you take care of other people. I, I've used the analogy of the dead sea, right? And the, the dead sea has a number of rivers that flow into it, but it has no outlet itself. So the uh, salt, Uh, The salt content there is just Mm -hmm. too high to sustain life because it has no outlet. It has no vent. It has no way to let the toxins go. And for providers that don't have that outlet, it's where you end up that eventually Mm -hmm. taking all of that in, it's going to impact your own ability to sustain life and to to find joy. Does that make sense at all to you? It does. What a powerful analogy. Great for your audience. Well, yeah. Wonderful. Well, listen, Becky, I appreciate you taking the time today. I appreciate you being here and I respect your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit perspectivesonhealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.